Find me on Twitter at FantasyBrath13. Joined, as always, with his glorious mane that he's got going on right now. You can tell the uh, quarantine is really having an effect on the hair. Uh, Cody Kutzer, you can find him on Twitter at CKutzerFF. What is going on tonight, Cody? Nothing, man. These uh, these curls cannot be contained by the quarantine. The The, the hair is throwing out, and I think, it's, uh, I think my hair has now become essential. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when everybody comes out of quarantine because like, that's like the first place everybody's going to have to go to because nobody's been able to get their hair cut. I mean, as dudes, it's a little bit easier for us because we can just like cut it ourselves if we want to, you know? But I don't know. It's going to be interesting because uh, there's a lot of people probably looking pretty shaggy right now. Yeah, just like this. I mean, I, I got like a little bounce back here to like this little mullet that's starting to, starting to grow. And I, I will say, though, that uh, my wife despises my hair right now that's then that's what it's all about really if you're going to upset the the significant other uh is if i think that you do therefore there was a while that i had like a really pretty long beard and like it was just getting out of control and like you'd find little things in it and every once in a while and like people like she would just be like so mad about it and, like that is disgusting you need to cut it off and finally i just i just gave in and just kind of sh- trimmed it yeah i was i was letting it go and then i told her um i was gonna get a cut before my birthday which was March 21st, but then that's when all the all the shit hit the fan, so I couldn't get a cut, so I'm like, babe, you know, I don't know what you want me to do, and just, it's how it is now. I, I've gone back and forth, especially after the Tire King, I'm just growing a mullet, I'm thinking about doing it, you know, business in the front, party in the back, uh, so I don't know, we'll see what happens there, but uh, so, anyways, um, we have a, a pretty good show tonight, we're going to kind of d- dive into the rookie running backs again we did this once already kind of back in february pre-combine with travis may we're doing it again tonight we're going to go a little bit deeper talk about some some different prospects of players that we didn't really then and just kind of see, take a pulse of where we're at because we're only when this podcast comes out on thursday we're only going to be two weeks away from the nfl draft so we got that coming up and then next week we have yeah. we're going yeah. to be discussing the wide receivers and we're going to have uh ray on from DLF next week. Uh, excited to have him. And then we also have our NFL, live NFL draft show. We're going to be covering day one and day two of the NFL draft. We're going to be streaming that live on YouTube and Periscope. And we have a ton of guests lined up for that. We have Evan Silva, Grant Barfield, Travis May, who we already mentioned is going to be on, Nick Whalen. We just have a, a bunch of people that are going to be on. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so we're looking forward to that as well. So be sure to tune in for that. We can't do anything else, right? I mean, all we're going to be able to do is watch the draft, thank goodness. And it's going to be like a fantasy draft, really, 
because uh, they're all, all NFL teams have to do it virtually. And now there's like people coming out worried about like security issues and everything else. And they just need to grab somebody from the fantasy community, every team. And we can tell them how to do this, you know? And so kind of walk them through. Right. Cause I mean, this is, we're, we're pretty much used to this. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, we, we were built for this quarantine life. This is how we've been handling biz over here, but what I'm super excited. I'm, I'm excited to see Dave Goodman try and send out his pick by messenger pigeon. I'm super, super pumped for that. Yeah, that, that is going to be fantastic, especially some of these old people trying to trying to handle this. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up, but you know, let's just sort of jump into it here with this. Let's talk about the running backs. This to me, this running back class is very top heavy. Um, I think there's some depth pieces and, and and more role players once you get a little bit further and the you know whether it's a a grinder type back or satellite back if you will. But let's just kind of start off with the top. And I think for most people, Jonathan Taylor is sort of the 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 alpha in this group. However, there's starting to be reports out right now um, that he may not go until the third round. I don't know. That seems kind of crazy to me. And I've seen some mocks like Evan Silva, who's someone we already talked about. Like he put out one, had no running backs in there. And he's somebody that's really well connected. And I, I really wouldn't be surprised. It's not the first time we've ever seen a running back not go in the first round. But I just felt like with the, the pedigree that Jonathan Taylor brings to the table, that he would be somebody that a team that would reach on him. It seemed like the Dolphins who have, who have three first round picks or, um, you know, a team like that, 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 uh, that has a need. But if, if, at the same time, if you sort of look at it, there's not a lot of teams that have just like dire need at running back that you see in most years. Like a lot of teams already have those positions filled or they have, you know, complementary pieces that, that can fill the void there, we just don't have a lot of landing spots right now for running backs. And I think that's playing a role and seeing that as well as you look at like the Todd Gurley who, who got hurt after he got a big payday. And a lot of these running backs that have gotten paid David Johnson and they fall off like, Teams aren't start valuing the running back position. We're seeing it more and more every year. And I think we're seeing it now play a part in the draft where, you know, we typically see some of these. I mean, like I, you look at somebody like, again, Jonathan Taylor, and like he reminds me of Ezekiel Elliott watching him run or DeMarco Murray, right? Like I, I think that, that – but Ezekiel Elliott was a top five pick. Jonathan Taylor might not go in the third round. Does that seem crazy to you? The third round thing seems – crazy to me i i don't see that happening um but i think we are getting to a point where the majority of these teams are just finally realizing that you don't have to spend that first round capital on on the running back position i mean you talked about some of the guys who have gotten the big deals the big contracts and it doesn't pan out you end up being strapped by the cap even though it goes up every year like that's something that we always end up looking at a year two years out and being like man can you believe they're still, they still have to pay so-and-so this much? Then you talk about the injury and the wear and tear on the position. And then you just see guys coming out of nowhere every single year, guys that are drafted late day two, day three. So it's to me, it's just it's it's not necessary. Um, I think we're starting to see more teams either build up in the, the trenches first or they're looking for speed and space. So, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. And if you look at um, – Super Bowl, Super Bowl teams outside of Gurley a couple years ago, we haven't really had like a first round stud running back. And it's not like Gurley necessarily carried that team to the Super Bowl either. That was, you know, what I mean, the year that off that offense just completely took off. Obviously, Gurley was part of that, but it's not like he was the one who's doing all of the heavy lifting and carrying that offense all together. So um third round, yeah, that that does seem crazy. I can't see that happening. 
I, it wouldn't surprise me to not see any go in the first round to not see Taylor because he seems like the running back that most NFL teams would covet, right? Has a size, has a production, has the build, blew up the combine. So he seems the one I think is going to be most likely to be drafted first. And I just can't see no running backs not being drafted until a third round. I think we probably see a handful go in the second round and then more in the third. But JT in the third, that, that one just doesn't make sense to me. But if there was a – maybe that's something we could talk about too. Maybe look at some like uh, prop bets the, you know, the week before the draft or something. But if there was a prop out there like over under one and a half in the first, I'm going to take the under for sure. It's starting to look a little bit more likely, whereas before I think we thought that Jonathan Taylor was kind of a lock to go in the first. Um, you know, we, we have teams like the Bucks who are kind of in that all-win mode or that win-now mo- win mode with going out and acquiring Tom Brady. But they're a team that needs help along the de- defense. They need help along their offensive line. You have a team like the Chiefs who, now that they've brought back Sammy Watkins, which I don't think we've really talked about that, but they've brought back Sammy Watkins now. They restructured his deal, which a lot of people were surprised because – the, the Chiefs needed money, right? It was just a couple of weeks ago where they had, what, $177 in cap is all they had. Um, so they restructured Sammy's deal. Then they also brought back Demarcus Robinson. So their whole entire receiving core from last year is now intact. And it's funny because I saw a lot of people talking about like McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman was like flying up, startup dynasty ADP. And now people are like, fuck. Like, because <laughs> now, like, I mean, I don't think he's any more valuable than probably what he was last year. He'll probably be a little bit more involved in the offense, and I wouldn't be surprised if he usurps DeMarc Tromson as the number three at the very least in the offense. And with Sammy Watkins inevitably getting hurt like he does every year. But I do think that there is an opportunity. Now, I do 100% believe that they need help more in corner than anything else, but I think the two the two scenarios that I could see really play out is, one, I, I 100% believe they're going to trade back because they need draft capital. They only have five picks in this draft. But I could also see them actually taking a running back much earlier than I originally had thought. I don't believe that it's going to be a first-round pick at all, but I could see them trading back into the second and grabbing a running back and then maybe a corner there. So I think some of these running backs that we I wasn't really expecting were in play for them could possibly be in play. So I think a Jonathan Taylor, depending on where he goes, or a DeAndre Swift-type running back could be available for the Chiefs, and it is absolutely wheels up if that happens because – we know how well running backs do in that system. But if you kind of look at some of the other landing spots there are, like I could, I struggled to try to come up with like teams that just absolutely need a running back. It's basically not even absolutely, but I think they're the most likely to take a running back, and that's Tampa, Kansas City, and then Miami. And then you have a list of running of teams that I feel like that may take a running back, like Pittsburgh, Indy, Buffalo, Carolina, San Francisco, the Jets, the Chargers, the Rams the Texans and Seattle, I think were the teams that I kind of came up with that I felt like wouldn't surprise me if they take a running back and, or more than likely will take a running back a team like Carolina. For example, they've talked about, they really want to get a secondary running back behind Christian McCaffrey and Buffalo has talked about wanting to get somebody behind Devin Singletary. So I think these teams make some sense, but I think we're, so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But with John, like I said, with Jonathan Taylor, it just kind of surprised me because he's just sort of the all, he's kind of just the entire package, right? We talked about, he ran the 439, 121.7 speed score, 122.7 burst score. I mean, his, his, he was right up there with Saquon Barkley in terms of how well he tested in the combine. And then you factor in the fact that he had 6,000 rushing yards and 50 touchdowns. Now, there is some concern with the 925 career attempts that he did have. But, I mean, the dude is just everything you could possibly hope for, and he's still young, only played three years. So 
get past him. And then, so if he goes in the third round, the question becomes then where do these other guys go? I think there's an opportunity where DeAndre Swift, correct me if I'm wrong, but he just feels like the guy, in my opinion, that everyone just kind of like, he's just there. But like nobody is like seems like really excited about DeAndre Swift. At least from what I've noticed, at least on Twitter, you know, fantasy Twitter, dynasty Twitter, whatever you what have you. He's just kind of the guy that's there, and I think most people have him in their top three or four. But what are your thoughts on DeAndre Swift? Like I feel like he's also a complete back, somebody that's heavily utilized out of the backfield um, as a pass catcher. I mean, he's somebody that they lined up in the slot and stuff like that. So I think he can kind of be moved all over the place. Now people will talk about, Oh, well he can't handle a full workload, but that's just silliness because that's just what Georgia does. That's what they've always done. I mean, he never played more than 500 offensive snaps, but at the same time, like I said, I mean, the dude is, is, is a monster. And I think somebody that people are kind of sleeping on a little bit. Yeah, man, absolutely. This, this is something we do every single year. Like Swift has been talked about as like the RB1 for the past year and a half at least. And then we get to this point and all of a sudden it's it's like we've talked about him for too long. So people he's getting like pushed down for that reason, which doesn't make any sense. Um as far as the as far as his limited, I guess, touches and snaps, and I guess he was never if people are trying to ding him for not being the guy and kind of running that backfield, first Think about the fact that as a as a true freshman, he was getting on the field when whenever they had Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb in that backfield. I mean, that's I mean, obviously Sony hasn't really worked out in the NFL, but I mean, you want to talk about two of the best uh, collegiate running backs we've seen, and you know what I mean, the past couple of years, it's two of them on the same team, and Swift was still getting on the field as a true freshman, and then they just keep bringing in five star guys, four guys guys that are in the top 10 you know at the at the running back position as far as prospects go so i the fact that he doesn't have the kind of the the wear and tear that a jonathan taylor has i think is a plus and truthfully how many 90 percent touch workhorse backs do we have in the nfl at this point you know what i mean that's it's the same thing and i think that also plays in the plays into why we're not seeing you know the talk about because you look at some of these guys and you put them in a in a draft, you know, eight years ago, we're probably talking about three, four, five, six of these guys going in the first round. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. And I think it's because teams are more likely to even if you're not using a true committee or a rotation, you're still limiting touches on on most of these guys. So Swift, like I said, Swift to me just seems like the the latest casualty in We've been talking about him as the guy for so long that, like, all of a sudden everyone's like done talking about him. We just need new names thrown up there. I, I think he's to me the, the the top five of this class. Put him in a bag. Let me pull out a name. I'm gonna be happy with any of them. And I think the NFL draft two weeks from now is really gonna start to like set these guys apart a little bit. So for right now, they're all in one tier. Give me any of them, and I would be super happy at this point. I think you have a point there with that. And, you know, similar to what we've seen with like Jerry Judy, right? Where he's kind of a exactly. question guy. And then now we all of a sudden have to kind of change our mind on that. Or we, 
they don't have the same appeal as some of these other uh, as some of these other guys have, especially because you start putting in people that aren't as paying as much attention to the college football game and everything else, and they start saying something different. I, I will say with DeAndre Swift, I mean, if you look at some of his his um, efficiency numbers, he was 37th in yards after contact, 59th in missed tackles, he was 19th in you know, plays of 15 plus more yards. So I see some of that, but overall, like I think he's sort of still a complete running back and somebody that uh, I definitely think is probably a lock to go in the second round, could go in the third. But going to the right team and the right system, I, I, I think DeAndre Swift is fine. And to be honest with you, like I, I see a little Miles Sanders in his game, so I, I have no problem with, with, with DeAndre Swift either. Now, the, the next kind of group, I think, feels somewhat to me that they're kind of – you could go any, any, any number of direction, right? Um, I think with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire – J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and probably, I guess you could put Zach Moss into there. We'll get to Zach Moss in a minute. But as, as far as somebody, let's look at Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? I think he has some red flags to him. But do you think he's one of the safest, uh, has one of the safest floors because of his pass catching ability? And, you know, I've seen Austin Eckler and Maurice Jones during his comps. Do you think that's a, like a fair comp for him? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, both those guys that, kind of the smaller, stockier frame. Um, as far as being this one of the safest, absolutely. I mean, he had, what, 54 catches, something like that. I think he had a little, little over 50 catches uh, this, past year for L- this past year for LSU. Um, and even in that, that absurd offense, I believe he was – I think he was third on the team in, uh, in receptions, obviously behind Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So I mean, for for a running back in that offense to have the the third most catches, I think is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, he, dude, he he's another one, man. Like if if Kansas City takes him in the second, he he could easily be the one on one. Yeah, I mean, obviously depending on the landing spots of some of the some of the other guys, but this is where you know, like we, we've talked about it before, why we aren't putting out like concrete solid rankings at this point is because one, the combine was going to come. And for some reason, everyone loses their mind every single year over the combine and throws guys up and tears guys, tears guys down after that. But then the the draft is just going to set a lot of these things straight. And that's where we're going to have a much better idea in terms of their overall draft capital landing spot scheme situation, all that stuff. So he may have some red flags, but I, I think you could say that for any of these guys in the top five, honestly, like I, I don't look at any of these guys and think absolutely no questions, hundred percent all in on this one guy. So um, what were, what were some of the, the red flags that you saw with Hilaire? What are, what are this, what are some of the things that, you know, maybe have you hesitant or not, not entirely sure. I think some things with him is more so the fact that, one, we've only really seen one year of production from him. Now, I mean, he—if there was a running back that, that really helped him help his draft stock more than anybody, it was him. I saw that um, PFF um, actually has that wins above um, average, and he was the 13th most valuable player, regardless of position, and the third most valuable non-quarterback. Wow! This past year, so I mean, that's, that's pretty. Wild. Yeah, I mean that, that 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 is pretty crazy. But I mean, so and like you mentioned, he did catch 55 passes. Um, this year, and he had 14 broken tackles, you know, on those on those receptions. So, like, th- there's a lot to like about him, but like, you, you, he's definitely not somebody that is a, 
you know, he's not a speed back. That's not his his game at all. He's much more short area quickness. And you, you see that in, in basically the way he tested. I mean, he did not run very well. He doesn't have a great 40 time or anything like that. But his 10.2 or his 10, 10.2 target share was pretty was pretty exceptional. But my, my only concern would be, like I said, his one year of production. And we didn't really see him do a whole lot prior to this year. And so I do think that that is somewhat of a problem. And he is going to be landing spot dependent a little bit. But I do feel like that he, does, he is somebody that has a pretty solid floor because of his ability to be a, a solid pass catcher. And at the very least, I think you can talk about him as a satellite back that if, if, if that's the way teams choose to deploy him, maybe like a Duke Johnson type, maybe is a floor. And I don't hate that at all. So... I do think that I don't think I would have him as somebody that I feel like that can be that prototypical lead back that, that, you know, but we don't, like you mentioned, we don't really see that much anymore. So that, that's kind of my concerns with him. Yeah. I, I think all those are valid. Um, the speed thing doesn't, doesn't necessarily bother me. The, the 40 seems to be something that isn't as important for predicting uh, fantasy success for, for running backs anyway. I mean, Kareem Hunt ran like a four, six, uh, I don't think Lev Bell was especially crazy in the in the forty or anything either. So th- that doesn't necessarily bother me. But I I think you touched on an important point there. Is I could see, I think he could handle. He could be like a one A. You know, what I mean, maybe he's handling sixty percent of the touches and not you know not maybe not eighty percent. But I could easily see him being a one A. But I could see an NFL team putting him in kind of putting him in a corner, so to speak, and hampering him in terms of thinking he is best as a, like a Duke Johnson kind of role. Whereas I think he, he has, he has uh, more value as a, just as, as an overall runner as well. So I, I think, I think there is, those are all valid, but like I said, if he gets, you know, if he's the second or third running back off the board and he lands with like Casey or something, Again, depending on the other spots, whatever, but he's someone who's going to be in contention for the 101 if he gets a, a landing spot like Casey. Yeah, right. I mean, but the, the Chiefs are the, the pants off, you get the lotion out landing spot for, any, for really any prospect. And I, I think you can make the same case probably for, for the Bucks as well. Like, I think those two spots are the whoever those running backs are yes. and whatever they go. We're going to be talking about him. We're going to be excited about him because of the, of those landing spots. We'll see with Clyde. What do you think his ceiling could possibly be? Because I, I think his ceiling could possibly be maybe like Devonta Freeman. Um, I, I think would be you know somewhere in the range of outcomes for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, I mean, he was a top five fantasy running back for. You know, I mean, like he had that insane like two or three year stretch. So, I mean, I, I could definitely see that. Um, what do you think about? Um, like if 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 a team, I mean, if uh, San Francisco were to use high capital on on the running back, because I mean, there, there's no one really in that backfield that I look at as like, okay, they're definitely safe. So I think if San Fran, and I mean, they they have what they have the two first rounds as well from the uh, the Buckner trade, so they have that early first and the late first. Let's say you know they just look at that late first and they take they're the you know I mean that's the one spot where a running back does go in the first round. I think they could also be looked at as one of those, you know, I mean, one of those Tampa Bay KC spots as well. Apparently, they're going to bring back Jarek McKinnon. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's been on the roster for two years now, but we haven't, we have to take a snap. But apparently, they're talking about maybe still keeping him around. So, if he's still there, you still he's have like, he's like Bigfoot. 
I know, right? Like, it's crazy. Like, he's been on the roster for two seasons and has yet to even play. But we've never really seen him, so is he really there? <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. So, I, I think it would be intriguing because we saw how productive, uh, you know, every running back really has been coming out of that system, out of the Mike, or the Mike, the Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would definitely be intrigued, but... I, I still feel like there's a lot there, so I'd have to see how kind of everything played out. If they were to move on from like a Jarek McKinnon and they didn't really have a whole lot there, then yeah, I think he could be much more enticed. Let's jump to the other two, right? So you have you have J.K. Dobbins, which J.K. Dobbins is tough because we have no athletic testing to go off of. He One red flag for me is that he, he weighed in a little bit less than what I think I was expecting, right? Like 5'10", 209. Like I thought he would have been like a 215, 220 type back. And that 209 is not really prototypical size that you're looking for out of... Um, I, I have, you know, a feature back, but I mean, it's hard to argue the the production that we saw. I mean, over 2000 yards, 23 touchdowns, 23 receptions of those 2000 yards, 1200, 1200 of those yards came after contact, which was fourth best in the country. Uh, 12th and missed tackles first and carries a 15 plus yard. So, I mean, there, you see the athleticism, you see what he was able to do in one of the best offenses and one of the best programs in the, in the country that should be mentioned. However, I mean, there's a lot there to like with JK Dobbins. The problem is we just don't really know anything else, right? We don't know because he did not test in the combine and we've not got any pro day. So we have no idea really where he comes in. We could go back to 2000 and what, 16, I think whenever just to see what he did, at, you know, out of, out of, um, out of high school, but that's all we really have. Does that really affect what you feel feel about him not knowing these things, or are you okay with it? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. He has his second year, his sophomore year, um, I think disappointed some people, but there are rumors about a, um, about an injury he was playing through, and did he pack on too much weight? Obviously, his junior year, he looked he looked a lot better, looked more like his freshman year. So, no, it, it, it doesn't bother me. Um, I wouldn't rely on his his high school testing, even though I think he was the he came out as like the highest spark athlete from from that class from the uh, from the from the Nike testing. Um, but if you if you look what look at what he's done over, over the past three years, I, I really don't have any I don't have any um, qualms about him. I don't really have any questions. He you can see it on tape. He has the athleticism. He can do it with strength. He can break tackles. Obviously, his contact balance. He has a lateral agility. He has some. He has some really nice uh, jump cuts and and things like that. So, and and the weight thing, if if he would have been coming out again like eight years ago, I you know I mean probably would have dinged him for that. But if you look at who the um, the RB ones were from this past year and half PPR. Uh, I think half of the guys were around like that 215 range. I mean, being at 209, like five, you know, five, six pounds lighter than that, I'm not really going to ding him. I mean, we're, we're seeing guys using space more often. This isn't the, the same NFL as, you know, lining up in the power eye formation and just slamming guys into the, the offense and defensive line. So the, would we like to see the weight a little bit higher? Sure. But that's not something where I'm going to, you know, take him out of the top tier of running backs because he he only came in at, at 209. So I hesitate to be like, well, he had this many carries in college, so that definitely proves he can handle the load. But I mean, I, I think he averaged something like 240 carries uh, per year at Ohio State. I think he had over 300 this last year. And then, I mean, I wish I could remember who pointed it out on Twitter, but someone had a tweet about he had um he had like three games in a row this past year where he had thirty or more carries 
three straight games. So he handled that kind of load. Um, and you know, this, this past year, big 10 colleges, you know, the, the defenses are typically better. It's, I mean, probably not going to be sec level, but it's not like he was running through, you know, putting up those, that kind of production in the, in the Mac or anything. So as far as Dobbins goes, again, I'm just waiting to see landing spots and draft capital and all these guys, but I, I don't really see anything from his, I guess his incomplete profile since we don't have that testing. There's nothing I see there that, that really bothers me, to be honest. We can say this about all these guys, but then, so so the, the last one, I guess, of the top five, for at least for the probably consensus, is Cam Akers. And the, yeah. big, the big knock about Cam Akers has been this kind of the same thing with, not necessarily a knock, but... You know, one thing that everybody, I guess not a knock, but something that everybody has always brought up with him is the fact that he's run behind one of the worst um, offensive lines we've ever seen. They were actually fourth, uh, fourth worst offensive line, run blocking offensive line among every college football team this year. Which what what turns out to that with that then ends up impressing me with him is the fact that he ended up having, uh, he was pretty solid in terms of yards, um, yards after contact, right? Yeah, because he was 12th in yards after contact. So he was had 904 yards after contact. I think he only had 1,100 rushing yards total, right? If that tells you anything. So, <laughs> like, he was always, like, as soon as it was the ball was handed off to him, there was somebody in the backfield that he had to get to, had to, had to um, you know, evade, right? And so I know people are kind of all over the place with him, so people absolutely hate him because they'll sit there and watch. They'll turn on their tape and they'll grind their tape because, you know, everyone thinks they can grind tape. And um, be like, oh my God, look, he's just getting hit straight in the backfield. He's just not doing anything. Like he's never gaining any yards. I'm like, yeah, because the offensive line is trash, right? And people try to dismiss that and be like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like that shouldn't matter, blah, 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 right? And that's ridiculous because we talk about it all the time, like in, in the NFL, like teams that uh, run behind powerful, you know, offensive lines. Look at Zeke Elliott that we talked about. That's such a strength for them because of how well that offensive line is. I still think that for me, like he really reminds me, Aaron Jones. Like when I watched him, that was kind of the first thing that, it, that really stood out to me is that he just reminded me of right off the gate was whenever I sat there and saw him. I have no problem with Cam Akers. I think he's probably a third round pick, maybe a fourth round pick, but definitely probably a third round pick. Again, like this is a player that like I would love if the Chiefs drafted. Like like between him, I think that are realistic options for them that I that I could actually see them taking. I think would be Cam Akers, and then the other one would probably be J.K. Dobbins. Are the two that I would that would be most want to see go there. But with Cam, like Cam Akers, like he can pretty much do it all. He's he's a, he's a solid pass catcher out of the backfield. He had a ten percent target share, which is strong. He had a thirty nine point eight college dominator, which is pretty, which is eighty ninth percentile, which is strong for a running back considering how bad, like I said, that offensive line was. So yeah, I feel like we need to get uh, Derek Brown just to hop on, talk about some Cam Akers, and then then log off. But I'm I'm completely with you. He's he's one of my favorites in this class, and I just don't see how how you can watch Cam Akers and not realize that he was completely hamstrung by that offensive line. Whatever, whatever you said, fourth worst, was that from PFF? Okay. So I know um, football outsiders sophomore year, they ranked one thirtieth out of one thirtieth. So literally the worst line out of the FBS schools, his sophomore year. And then this year they uh, quote unquote improved all the way up to one uh, 15th out of one thirtieth. So, but like, there are there are very very few guys who can succeed in that kind of situation. Like, despite that kind of line, you know, what I mean, and, and you, whenever you look at those guys, like you're looking at like a Saquon Barkley. Like that line at Penn State hasn't hasn't been good for a while, and he was able to, you know, what I mean, you're you're literally looking at like you know your 
quote unquote elite talents and you know things like that so for me cam Akers, i'm still a huge fan i think we also have to remember that he was a wildcat quarterback coming out of high school i think he threw for over like five thousand or seven thousand yards or something so he he put up legit numbers as a as a quarterback prospect so and then you just look at all the the absolute dumpster fire like as bad as that offensive line was that entire program was just as bad during his three years there talk about all the the turnover with the coaching staff and everything else so to me he basically just gets a he gets a pass I I don't think we truly know exactly what he can be and maybe some people are putting him up a little too highly in their rankings just because they're enamored with the the what if kind of thing I mean I think I'm probably going to settle on him like around like three honestly for for me um at least right now, all this is going to change in two and a half weeks anyway. But Cam Akers definitely deserves to be in the in the top tier of this running back class. So, okay, so that's kind of like the top five. Who? What would be your top five right now? Like I said, man, you could put these names in a hat, pull them out, and I'd be fine with them. It's 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 the top five that everyone's been talking about. I guess if you were forcing me to to rank them right man. now. <sighs> Just let me live my hedge life, Dad. Christ. Um, <laughs> probably, I'm going to go JT at one, Swift at two, Akers at three, Dobbins, and then Clyde to round up the top five. Yeah, I think that's where I'd be. I I, I could probably put Dobbins three, but yeah, I mean, 100%, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I'd be right there with you with the rest. So we're, I think we're pretty close. Now, you could probably... Wad it up, throw it away here in a couple weeks after the draft happens, and then we find out, find out where all these guys are heading. And that'll pretty much wrap up the top five discussion for this week. Uh, be sure to tune in later in the week. We'll be releasing the second half of this podcast where we're talking about guys like Keyshawn Vaughn, Zach Moss, Darrington Evans, Eno Benjamin, um, a lot of guys like that. Uh, Antonio Gibson, who seems to be a, a pretty hot hot name right now because of his athletic measurables and stuff like that. So if you want to, you know, check that out later in the week. Actually, when this po- when you're listening to this podcast, we're only two weeks away from the NFL draft. Again, next week we have uh, Ray Garvin on from DLF. He does excellent work. We're going to be breaking down the wide receiver group, and then we also, like we talked about, we're going to be doing the live draft show with a ton of guys. So that'll be a good thing to check out. And also, um, we are we are going to be launching a TFA listener dynasty league if you are interested in that it's just going to be a startup that'll be a lot of fun kind of past the time uh we are going to have a entry fee for it because you know it'll keep people more engaged and um with it being a you know something we'd like to keep together for a long time so if you're interested in that uh entry fee will be 50 dollars for that for the buy-in and we'll we'll probably set up league safe or something like that so everybody feels comfortable with you know putting money out there and everything else but uh, we'd really like to you know do this with the tfa fam our community so be sure to get into our slack channel Channel, and we can get some people in there if you're interested in that it'll be a lot of fun um we'll, we'll come up with some uh interesting settings stuff like that maybe do a super flex league or something like that we'll figure it out so tight in premium stuff like that so if that's something you're interested in be sure to if you're not already in our slack channel in our show notes for any podcast you'll see a link in there to join our slack channel jump in there absolutely free that's all it's all you need to do click that boom you're in and like i said it's absolutely free it doesn't cost you anything and you know it's a good place to have some discussions about fantasy football whether you're into redraft whether you're in a dynasty dfs 
podcast. We pretty much have everything in there. So once again, I'm Kevin Steele. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyRat13. You can find my co-host at Cody Kutzer, at C Kutzer FF. And once again, I really appreciate it. And why don't everybody let us know this week, you know, who your top five running backs are, who you're excited for, and what, where you're hoping those guys land. So I uh, really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys again on Friday. Think you're tripping with? Yes, I'm the boss. 745, white on white, that's Rick Ross. I keep them wide, I keep them long, I keep them fat. I keep them coming back. We keep them coming back. I'm in the distribution. I'm like Atlantic. I got them pretty things flying across the Atlantic. I know Pablo, Pablo, Noriega, the real Noriega. He owe me a hundred favors. I ain't petty player. We buy the whole thing. See, most of my homies hustle. They still do their thing. My roof back, roof back. My money ride. I'm on the pedal. Show you what I'm running like. When they snatch black, I cry for a hundred nights. Nice. He got a hundred bodies serving a hundred lights.